0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Tyler's Tech Line, the podcast featuring real conversations with the real people talking about how technology impacts our everyday lives. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. We have a little bit different of a genre of podcast that we're going to have for you guys today. We are going to be doing a book slash movie review, and you might say to yourself, Tyler, you don't really read books. That's one thing I know about you. And if you know that fact about me, you would be correct. I am not a very big r- reader of the books. I'm going to be really honest. I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos, a lot of time listening to podcasts, not a lot of time reading books. However, I try and read at least one book a year, and that one book I usually read every year is when we go to the beach as a family. So in 2017, my book that I chose to read was Ready Player One. One of the reasons you may have heard of Ready Player One recently is because it was just released as a big blockbuster movie directed by Steven Spielberg. So, I knew this was coming out, a podcast that I listened to talked all about Ready Player One, and I knew that the movie was gonna come out, so I just said, hey, I'm gonna read the book, get ready for the movie, and then we'll see how it goes. I went and saw the movie, the day it came out, and I was super stoked and I left the theater feeling really just disappointed. right? It wasn't a bad movie, it just really disappointed me. And ironically, at the same time, I was uh, Instagram messaging my friend Brandon, who was also watching the movie on the exact same night at the exact same time, and I messaged him about it, and I said, hey man, what'd you think of the movie? And he said, I loved it. He said he thought it was a great movie, he, and I said, hey, that's weird, because I was super disappointed, didn't really like the movie. You really, really liked the movie. I feel like we have similar tastes, Brandon, Is also a filmmaker. So I said, All right, we got to get on and talk about this. And I said, Brandon, what I know about you as somebody who really loves films, somebody who really loves movies, I think that you really need to read the book. But before he did that, I wanted to talk to him, get his raw thoughts on the movie, and then have him go read the book and then kind of compare and contrast our different experiences having one person reading the book and then seeing the movie, the other person seeing the movie and then reading the book. All right, so let's jump into that conversation with Brandon. This is the conversation we had after he had seen the movie twice, but before he had actually read the book. Yeah, Brandon what's up man? How's it going? Tell people who you are, what you do, what you're all about and then I want to hear a little bit about your background with movies because I know you're a big movie buff and then we're going to hear, I just want to hear your raw reactions to Ready Player One.
1: All right uh, my name is Brandon Talley. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife Sarah and I are wedding filmmakers in Raleigh, North Carolina and uh, yeah I've been making home movies and like kind of short films since I was like in high school or whatever so I have always loved movies and Movies have always like been my favorite medium for storytelling. Sarah is a huge reader, a lot like Ash, so she's kind of more into sitting down and reading a good book. I read a little bit when I was in school, but it's never been something I did for fun usually. So usually, movies is uh, movies is where it's at. So I was really excited when this came out because I was like, it's, it looked a lot like Spectacle, but I thought maybe there could be a little bit more to it. So
0: yeah, and uh, you're a fellow movie pass user and, and, and the lover of the movie pass.
1: Oh my gosh. It's the best thing ever created. I love it. It, it is. We can talk about that for like probably literally probably for an hour, but
0: anybody who's out there listening, I need to get like an affiliate link for movie pass or something. I don't think they do something. that, but, um, we all, we, we, both highly suggest that you get movie pass. I am not a reader either. I read like literally one book a year. And when we go to the beach every year, I usually like pick a book and I read it while I'm sitting on the beach. And that's usually about it. In last year, 2017, my book was ready player one. Um, so right. I was super stoked. I was like, like way ahead of time, ready for the movie to come out. Did you, did
1: you pick that book because the movie was coming out yes. or? So did you? Yes, okay. I listened to a,
0: a couple of podcasts that they talked about the book. And then once they had announced that the movie was coming out or I knew it was, they started putting out trailers and stuff like that, the very early trailers, I was like, okay, I'm going to read this book so that I can be ready for the movie. Um, but I'm not going to talk about my experience but I just want to hear from okay. you. So just like straight up, your initial reactions to seeing the movie and now you've actually seen it twice so let's talk about about your your kind of just thoughts the first time that you saw it and then you I know that you said that your thoughts kind of changed the second time so just kind of like walk me through your thoughts on the movie in general
1: alright so I saw the trailer and I was like this was pretty dope like I've seen the I've seen the book cover before and then I like read a lot of articles about the movie coming out the trailer came out and I was like okay this looks pretty this looks pretty great it's filled with a lot of video game nostalgia I'm a huge video game nerd grew up playing video games my whole life so I was like I'm, I'm definitely down to see this. I actually didn't have huge expectations for it because I thought based on the trailer, I was like, well, they've probably shown all the best parts in the trailer. So I'm just going to like, I'm, I'm just going to go watch this like extended trailer basically. But honestly, like when I watched it, I was surprised because most of the things that were shown in the trailer were really like towards the beginning of the movie. And so the rest of the movie, I was excited because I feel like I like I hadn't seen anything. I guess to start, like the biggest thing that I loved about it was all the throwback stuff. Right. Like you there was a lot of 80s nostalgia. There was a lot of 90s nostalgia. And there's also like a lot of modern inclusion, too. Like they had uh, uh, Master Chief on there, the Halo, like from Halo yeah, uh-huh. on there. That was pretty cool. A lot of the Overwatch people. So, I mean, those was just kind of like little things here and there. And it was fun. To because I knew like I'd read so many articles beforehand that there were even Easter eggs that Spielberg didn't even know about Mm. that the people had thrown in. Mm -hmm. And so like it was fun. It was almost like a Where's Waldo sort of thing for me, like sitting in the theater, like looking at certain things, like just kind of like people walking past while he's walking by. Like I saw Doc Brown. That was pretty cool.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
1: So, yeah. So, like as far as the nostalgia part of it goes, like that's kind of like what the biggest thing was for me, as well as like the action was was done very well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how to explain it other than to say it was it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. It wasn't like action for action's sake. Like all the shots were done very beautifully. The CGI in this movie was great. Yeah,
0: that's, um, they did a really good job with the CGI for sure. Cause a lot yeah. of the movie was in CGI. You know more for a Spielberg film, yeah.
1: Right. So the like the Oasis and everything. You know, like this is this virtual reality world, and so these people are living in it. And So I was like, well, they, they're going to have to do a good job since like that's you know seventy five percent, fifty percent of the movie. And I, and the biggest thing that I loved is that I felt like each each moment of nostalgia, like the big moments. We're not like pandering necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of movies that you watch or whatever where you feel like the whole movie's foundation is the nostalgia,
0: right? 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 And so
1: you're like, you're watching it, and you're like, okay, so this is cool. What I'm seeing, however, I'm not getting any content. Whereas, as I was watching the movie, I felt like the nostalgia was a tool used by the the plot and the story. So that was really neat. Like the whole uh, The Shining, which I've actually uh, confession never seen. Neither have I. <laughs> I've never been a huge horror fan, yeah. um, so. It actually, I watched it this past summer when it came out, and that's the first Stephen King related thing, I guess, other than Shawshank, but that wasn't really a horror, right, right, right. but anyway.
0: Okay, so that's what you like. So you like the nostalgia part of the movie. That was kind of like your favorite part, and then obviously the action, and it's just a well-done movie. I have no qualms with the way the movie yeah. was shot. You know, obviously, it, you know, it's a modern, a modern, big blockbuster film, Steven Spielberg directed film. Like, it's going to look good, yeah. right? So I had no, I had no qualms with any of that stuff.
1: And I'll say that the the character development throughout was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed Halliday, like the, the creator, like he was pretty much like your basic like computer nerd. Right, right. and like, it was kind of hilarious, like his whole personality and everything. I, I will say that I thought Wade was kind of vanilla, mm-hmm. like he didn't really have like a whole lot based on the movie. Again, you know, you've read the book. I haven't. So, but yeah, like I guess watching him and his character development, there wasn't a, a huge amount of development, sure. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of like, it wrapped everything up in a nice bow right so i mean there was no like character death or character sacrifice or anything like that it was all just kind of like
0: yeah like uh what are the names the the japanese uh avatars i think they did die yeah, you know, they, died, and they died quote unquote like they they lost right. their life but no like actual like humans died in the movie or whatever
1: well also another thing is i don't know again i haven't read the book so i guess the biggest thing is like it was like hugely coincidental hey we all live within a a ten square mile right. radius yeah, 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 of each that. other, like these people who are literally playing all over the world, like they all just happen to be best friends who live within you know the same city right. limits. It was, so I felt like that was a little, yeah. a little. Okay. so I,
0: again, I don't want to like say too much because again, I have I have more of okay. the backstory from the book. But were there any other okay. things like that that you were looking, you're as you're watching the movie, you're like, wait, I don't understand how that works, or like, wait, that doesn't make any sense, or c- questions about just sort of like I don't know any other things in the movie that. Kind of through your for a looper were a little bit of a jump in logic that you weren't quite able to to connect the dots.
1: I guess I'll move to the second time that yeah, I watched okay. because I was able to watch it from, because so the first time I saw it, I saw mm-hmm. it with Sarah. Um, and then the second time I went and saw it with my brother and like I got done watching it the first time. I was like, I should have seen this with my brother oh, right. the first time because we both like, we both <laughs> grew up like video game world. This was like yeah. super exciting. So it was still wonderful to watch it with him. And so like the second time, it was almost as enjoyable as the first because I felt like the excitement that he was mm-hmm. feeling while he mm-hmm. was watching it for the first time. So like he's freaking out when like um, the Gundam guy came down to fight Mecha Godzilla, right. which I mean, I guess that's another big thing is it's like where else are you ever gonna watch like Mecha Godzilla fight the Iron yeah. Giant and a Gundam? Like all the same place. So, like that was just like kind of the biggest thing, is it was like, please give me more of this. But anyway, um, so the second time I watched it, I did I kind of felt a little different than what I said the first time about the pandering, in that like I was not having the nostalgia bombs hit mm-hmm. me as hard. I was still looking for the little extra that I missed the first time. But I guess like watching through it the second time, I guess there's mystery in it the first time you're watching it because you don't know what's going to happen. So watching it through the second time, knowing kind of how it ends, and it may be because I watched it um, I watched it so soon after because I watched it like only a couple yeah. days after. Uh, maybe I should have let it marinate a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of like anything. I guess it's kind of unrealistic to me to think that this guy – his partner wrote all of his stock shares away and sold himself away to the, from the Mm -hmm. company, but then decides he's just going to be this pretend robot for the rest of his life in, in this virtual reality world. Like he didn't get paid by holiday to do this. He's not necessarily contracted by holiday to do this. How did he get this job as the curator? All this stuff. So I guess that was a little confusing. That was a neat little, uh, that was a neat little thing. The, uh, the the, extra the extra life. Yeah. I will say that made me happy. We'll talk more about that, I suppose, once we get more into the in-depth in the discussion. But
0: There's just a couple of like couple questions that I want to ask you just to kind of get your... Because okay. it'll be interesting to hear you, you say to this now and then hear your sort of like how that might shift. So th- some of these are kind of like loaded questions because I know the answers. But okay, so I would yeah. love to hear you kind of just explain, based on watching the movie twice, your understanding of the way that like of the, of the real world in the Oasis in this you know, in, in the Ready Player One universe and how they sort of interact, like their different roles and the importance of each one, or sort of maybe like the status of how they, your, your understanding of how they kind of exist and what their significance is.
1: So, basically, I guess from seeing the movie, I understood that we're in this like dystopian future. Mm-hmm. 2045. Um, so we're in this future where food is scarce or something like that, or like kind of resources are dwindling and the real world isn't exactly as beautiful as it used to be. And so people have like now moved into like escaping the real world and kind of like this worldwide escapism into this like imaginary place where they can be whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do. So yeah, I mean, that's, and they kind of coincide in that if you control the virtual reality world, then you basically are controlling what's happening in real life as well because um, of the loyalty centers and things like that, the debt collection and and things. I thought that was an interesting, um, I guess, take on that is because it's like, People, if this place is as really like as worldwide and as big as it seems, like then the currency within this is probably about as good as, if not better than real world currency. Mm -hmm. Because all anybody ever wants is what's inside of the oasis. Right. So if nobody is. If nobody's really doing anything outside the Oasis, then real world things aren't really necessary, I guess, other than food and like basic necessities. Right. So I thought that was interesting, The you know, like the video game virtual credit consolidation and debt consolidation and mm-hmm. stuff. I'll say something that I, another thing yeah. that I didn't quite understand, I suppose, is I, this is me like getting way technical about it. It's like the physics behind it all. <laughs> so like what? Uh, so Okay, so there's um, Artemis. When she gets into the loyalties, she's having to carry these, like, bombs, right? And, Mm -hmm. like, plant them in the ground. But, like, as she picks them up, there's, like, weight to them. So, like, what causes the weight in the virtual reality to transfer to to the reality of the world? Right. Like, is there, like... Electronic signals sent through the gloves that cause your hand to not be able to pick up as much. Like, is there like this correlation? Like, so what causes someone to be able to punch harder than somebody else? Right. You know, like you find out later that show is this eleven year old kid. So like, what makes him able to hit harder than like Wade, who's this like full grown adult? Right. You know. So it's kind of like who. How does the, how do the physics of everything? Yeah, work? I mean,
0: even like when they're in the back of the van in the movie, and, and they you know the, they get sideswiped by the car, and then it you know it right. kind of throws him, and in the and then in the Oasis he also is like throwing, right, like, he's being thrown know. around. So
1: like, but then Artemis is like jumping hundreds of feet, like on top of these like giant robots. And so it's like, how do you real world translate being able to jump that high right. while still being actually physically on the ground? Okay. So that's yeah, like a lot of those questions like answered, will
0: be answered to a certain extent in the book. You know what I mean? Like, I okay. think, yeah. I feel like it was it made more sense in the book. In the in the movie, they obviously can't explain all the all the backstory and stuff like that. So, okay, okay. perfect. Okay, so I think this is good. I think this is a good like download okay. of your sort of thoughts and your your impressions and sort of where you're at with the with the movie. And Pre-book. I think that we've documented it. Uh, sufficiently here. So now you're going to go off and you're going to read slash listen to the actual book. Yeah. The actual book. And then we'll reconvene at some point in the future. And through the power of editing, we're going to jump right to your epiphany and your mind being changed and your mind being blown (laughs) through reading through reading the book all right so we hopped off our call and brandon pretty much immediately downloaded and started listening to the book and he started sending messages right away being like oh my gosh i can't believe this i can't believe that pretty much the reaction that i thought he was going to have so we weren't able to meet up until about two weeks after this conversation to have our follow-up conversation but let's just jump right into that and hear what brandon had to say about his experience reading the book as opposed to just watching the movie we're going to dive right in. We're going to go in depth over the entire the entire thing. I have some theories we're going to flesh out. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. But just straight from the beginning, everybody out there listening, huge spoiler alert warning. Like we're not even going to try and hide it. We are going to literally spoil everything. So if you haven't read the book and you and you plan to or if you haven't seen the movie and you plan to, you should probably just go do probably both of those things and then come back. So okay, Brandon. Yes, sir. Just like right off the jump, what was your Talk to me.
1: So the book was immensely better than the movie. It was.
0: That's right. That's what I thought too.
1: I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a movie adapted book or rather, a book adapted movie, that I have ever liked the movie more than the book. Right. No, that's true. So I mean like it's just because you can just fit as much as you want in a book. You know, it can be as long as you want it to be and people can just read it over days and weeks and however long it takes them. But movies, you know, obviously people only have a limited amount of time. So you can only fit so much in there. So I understand that they have to remove and change things. Having said all of that, the book was immensely better than the movie was.
0: Yeah, and I I think I... I... I knew that going in, right? Like I'd never go into, like you said, a a movie about a book expecting it to be the exact same thing. I don't go in with these expectations that it's going to be, you know, one-to-one, the exact same thing and everything's going to transfer over just because it's a different medium. There's different limitations you have with film versus, versus words and things like that. However, I was just very surprised at how different the movie was from the book. And the thing that disappointed me, I think the most was that a lot of my favorite parts of the book didn't end up in the movie, not even in like... A slight bit but even just like the general like like the big overall arching message i thought from the book didn't really translate into the movie you felt kind of the same way
1: yeah yeah i completely felt the same way yeah i'm like sitting there reading through the book and i'm like they could have totally used this like this could have been like a complete like it could have changed the whole thing i guess like at the heart of at the heart of it all it comes down to the fact that so the book i would say was a little bit darker in the movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it definitely had some parts of it that were just a little bit more grungy I suppose so like I guess jumping right into it there the portion where um, Sorrento blows up his parent or his aunt's apartment or his aunt's trailer in the stacks right in the book so like in the so in the book like it blows up and he goes on the lamp like he takes off like on a bus goes to I guess what is it Columbus yeah Columbus
0: and, or Cincinnati yeah
1: Yeah. And so then he just like grabs an apartment and lives in an apartment for a year. Yeah. Like like a year and a half. That was one of my favorite parts.
0: I thought that that was so interesting. And then the fact that he got really big, like he gained a ton of weight and then made his like virtual assistant robot thing, like help him lose weight and got really fit and all this stuff. I thought that was super interesting.
1: Yeah. Like you could have totally like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, I guess what, what makes me upset is they sacrifice story for like the money grab, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, I guess that's like a judgmental thing you can say about just about every like Hollywood blockbuster. It's like, oh, it's just a big money grab. But to an extent, like I understand that it's also a business, so you have to make money. But I think at the heart of it all, you know, Casey Neistat says this all the time, story is king, Yep. you know? And so, and I think I will completely agree with you. Like you were talking about comparing the Martian book versus the movie. Like it was 85% book, like 15% Changed. Changed. But yeah, definitely Ready Player One. You I think you were even being generous, giving it fifteen percent. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they might have followed like the bare bones skeleton of the story, but they put their own like muscle and meat and all that stuff on top of it, and they gave it a completely different face. Right, which I don't fully
0: understand why, because I think that the exactly the story in the book was so good, and I think especially given like the way that the world is going with virtual reality and just like the internet yeah. in general and all this stuff, I think there's so much like depth to that. I guess, yeah, maybe it would have been a a little too dark and it would have been a little i don't know less interesting but we talked about this too i think you could you could have taken this movie and broken it up into probably two or three different movies if you had really wanted to you like probably could f- have go i go th- for it they may
1: have they may have gotten criticism for that because i mean everybody was doing that for a time you know like That's the last true. harry potter movie was two parts the mm. last hunger games movie was two parts and so everybody's like oh they're just trying to milk you know the, the bucks at everybody. Yeah. But you know, I honestly think like it might've been maybe not a trilogy, but like a two part, like they could have done a two part. I think right. that would have been fine. Yeah. And so
0: f- for you, you said when we talked last time that you're one of your favorite parts about the movie without having read the book was sort of like the nostalgia factor and like mm-hmm. all the eighties references and stuff like that. So I, I had this, uh, theory that when you read the book that you actually would have thought that you enjoyed those references even more yeah. than what was in because I think that the ones that are in the movie once you can kind of compare and contrast the ones in the movie are almost like kind of you talk about there's like kind of pandering for your nostalgia right just like kind of cheesing it up a little bit like right. just to throw it in there whereas in the book they're woven in so integrally and they're so deep and they're such like deep dives and stuff like that that for somebody who really is like into that kind of thing and really loves the pop culture references and the obscure references and stuff like that there's way more in the
1: book. Yeah absolutely and I think so I guess like just going like like quickly just to compare and contrast like the movie and the book so like the key challenges and all that stuff so like that's a skeleton right like okay this is the skeleton of the story there's a contest holiday made this contest he dies and he leaves this easter egg for people right, to find to
0: take over the oasis exactly right. to take
1: over the oasis so but there's the car chase in the movie which never happens in the book there's yeah, the not even close the shining which never appears in the book and there the final the atari thing which is referenced at the beginning like the right. the adventure easter egg and is referenced at the end so i honestly will say that i think that they did a a good job in the movie of like tying that like whole Easter egg thing in, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think they did a good job using it. And I will say that it would have been rather tedious to have a movie where people are finding keys and then finding the gates and then finding the keys and then finding the gates. So in the movie, you found a key and you found all three, you found all three keys and then you opened the final gate with all three keys. But in the book, you find a key and then you have to open a gate and, so, like, and then
0: you have to do whatever
1: exactly. it, the thing is. So you have yeah. to like find or beat the challenge to get the key. Then you have to beat the challenge to get like inside of the gate. And then it's like that's over and over. And so like some of the challenges within the gates, like the whole um, war games, like having to completely reenact the entire movie. Like right, obviously, right. you're not gonna want to watch that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I still think it could have been like a cool kind of like a montage, like time lapse kind of thing, like showing those ways you could have showed like the repetitiveness of it, or like how much he did it. I think the reason for me, and, and I don't, yeah, I think you're right. I think that changing the the that sort of structure for the movie was totally fine. I think the biggest problem I saw was that. In order for him to have completed these things in the book, right, it required such like an immense, deep, deep understanding of eighties pop culture and like his life and his backstory and like this immense like just level of like hours and hours of like pouring into this stuff and like really just being passionate about it, not just like trying to figure it out or trying to research it, which is why the like the Sixers in the book, right? They couldn't figure any of it out. As quickly, because even though they were researching that all these teams, people researching it, they weren't passionate about it. They weren't reading it for the nuance. They weren't in tune with like all of the obscure little tiny references and stuff. Whereas in in the book, Wade was like super into that kind of stuff. And he spent a lot of his time just like nerding out about it and almost at his like social detriment. Right. Because people are like, oh, why are you doing this? You're kind of weird. But that ended up being the thing that kind of like propelled him and gave him the advantage, which is exactly what Holiday wanted the person to take over the Oasis to have that sort of mindset. But I feel like it didn't really like translate into the into the movie at all. One of the
1: notes that I made here was there's a fine line between passion and obsession. And the movie made it seem like an obsession, whereas the book made it seem like a passion.
0: That's a really good point. And yeah, so it's that's kinda a like, really, really good point.
1: Yeah, you're watching through it. And so here's, here's something story-wise that I think that would have behooved them really well to, to have done in the movie. The book very clearly parallels Halliday's life with Wade's life. You know, like parents, parents not there um, or there, but dysfunctional family sort of dynamic, like Mm -hmm. social recluse, doesn't really like interacting with people, more enjoys video games, and stuff like that. And so he has this like physical book, like it's not this like video journal library where he can go in and just like watch his memories. And like, I think I get that, like for the movie purposes, like you want to watch its show, don't tell. But I think that it would have been really, really cool to have explored Halliday's background through Wade reading the physical journal.
0: Right, almost kind of like a flashback. Exactly. Which they kind of still did.
1: Mm, Yeah. In the
0: sense of that, like, yeah, it was like you kind of felt like you're in a flashback, but you're also, like, you could see them watching through the glass, which made it kind of weird. Yeah.
1: But like you said, like, you know, more or less, it's just kind of like, He talks about how, oh, this used to be, you know, the pride and joy of all the Gunters. You know, we all used to go in here and watch all of his memories and study them and stuff. And, like, I just find it more realistic that he could sit there and read through a book than, like, go into the Oasis and watch all of these movies. Like, just sit and watch all of these videos, you know, of these these memories and stuff. So, I think that it also shows, I guess, like, there's also a connotation with readers, like, people who read like are more intellectual and so like it showed that he was more willing to sit and like read a book about Halliday's life and like read and study his memoirs and his life right through this
0: book and watch the movies over and over and yeah. over again and like all the sort of like dedication that it right. took because you couldn't just figure it out from read a wikipedia page about this movie that he liked you had right. to watch it a hundred times and have it memorized, right. In order to, in the book. Right. And that's what I I loved the depth of Mm -hmm. that, which I think was kind of in the, in the movie, it felt like kind of like just like all these happy accidents, like, Oh, like, yeah, exactly. I just like happened to figure out how to do this. Like, Oh, I'm the first one here. So therefore like I could figure it out or like, it it just sort of like fell into it and that everybody else was looking for it was almost like just like not smart enough or like not clever enough to figure it out. Not even the fact that they were just like in the, in the book, that they were all trying to figure out, and they were all like so close, but it was just like that one extra level of depth yeah. of knowledge that Wade had that gave him mm-hmm. the advantage to figure it out. Yeah, exactly.
1: Out. And like, I think too, there's a lack of urgency in the movie that there is in the book. So like mm-hmm. Sorrento and the Sixers, like they find the jade key, and then they find the crystal key, and then they're at the gate. You know, and people are like, oh gosh, like, you know, he's freaking out because like he just found like the jade key. He hasn't even found the gate yet. You know, all this stuff. And so it's kind of like, what on earth, like, is he going to do? You know, like, oh my gosh, like there's this sense of urgency. Like the Sixers are at the gate, like they're knocking on the gate's door and they're like ready to enter it. And you're like, what's Wade going to do? And so like, it's cool that there's this whole character arc that he sacrifices himself to go into the Sixers, you know, the heart of their company and their loyalty center or whatever, their debt collection center. You know? Right, like physically,
0: not yeah, even in the exactly. oasis, like physically. Like he physically
1: yeah. goes there and he physically like hacks their system, programmed, pre-programs a robot to like blow up their wizard to take down their shield like four days later, which is like right, yeah, so yeah, much yeah. of that is so awesome. And like the story is so cool. But like you said, in the movie, it's kind of like a happy accident that like, oh, Samantha just happened to get... You know, captured And so while she's there, she might as well, you know, infiltrate from the inside. Yeah, you know, it's just right.
0: And then she was like, oh, happened to get out. Like, oh, they yeah. kind of like left the door unlocked accidentally <laughs> almost or whatever. However, she got out, you know, it was like very sort of just simple. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So, like, I feel that the movie did such a great job of, like, setting up Wade as a character. And, like, I think we we'd even talked about this, you know, in our first portion of it, whereas Wade in the book seemed like a fan and he seemed to be passionate about film and movies and stuff or in, um, and video games games and things like that like you said in the movie he seemed more obsessed and you didn't really care so like oh okay so let's talk about this okay (laughs) so so in the book wade starts with default clothes and like Mm -hmm. no money and he's like and like nothing nothing. Like he's not able to go anywhere
0: like it was like his school exactly thing right yeah. yeah it was like the cheapest also, thing you could possibly he goes have. to yeah.
1: school in the oasis and he's like stuck that's on, the best right that was like, like super cool so like he goes to school in the oasis he's stuck on this school planet where nothing happens and then all of a sudden there's this revelation it's like oh my gosh you have you you, you know one has a lot to learn in order to and then he's like it hits him in class one day he's like it's on this planet he's like i right. thought this whole time i'm not able to go anywhere but like he You know, he figured it out himself. He was one of the first people to figure it out. And it's like, that's so cool. But in the movie, he has like, you know, all these accessories. Yeah. He's like
0: strutting around yeah. like he's like the pro and he's like, you know, pointing at people and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like,
1: and it's like, yeah,
0: it was just like, he's like a pro at that point exactly. and they kind of skipped the whole beginning point. And, uh, and I think, you know, the fact that he was so poor that he couldn't even leave the, his school mm-hmm. area and he didn't want to, cause if he lost all of his stuff or whatever, right. like he didn't want to have to start over and all this stuff. And the fact that he could just go from that and then, you know, evolve and grow right. over time. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a really good point, point. and I think even like the fact that he was like overweight and that he mm-hmm. you know was really like down in the dumps and like he was kind of this like socially awkward and challenged kid. Now he had to kind of like grow, and I think that made the relationship aspect so much more like um, with like Artemis and like all that sort of stuff, like figuring all yeah. that out. And I, yeah, there's just so much more depth I think to him, and even like his home life, which they kind of talk about in the movie, and they kind of talk about it probably even more than. I don't know, then it was maybe necessary. Um, but again, you don't really get the like vibe from that. You don't understand why right. he's like going into that random van on, in like the trash yeah. pile to go hook into the Oasis or any of that sort of stuff. Like you just kind of gloss all over that and you just he just seems like an Oasis pro right. when it was never really supposed to be. Exactly.
1: Like that. And like yeah. and I think there's so many parallels through video games and leveling up and like life Mm -hmm. in that you start off, like everybody starts life at the same level, you know? Like we all start off life, nobody knows what they're doing and we all just kind of like fake it till we make it as we go through life. Like we get, you know, become experts in our certain areas of of field and things like that. But honestly, like we're all just kind of like leveling up as life goes along. And I know that sounds like super cheesy, but like at the same time, like that's really what the book ties into, you know? Like he starts off as this know nothing kid in these stacks and then he levels up and he's the first, he's Parzival, you know, like he finds the first key.
0: Yeah. And then he, he gets all the money from finding the first key. Yeah. And then he's able to like, you know, o- really open up his opportunities yeah. and his, but both in the Oasis and like in, mm-hmm. in the real yeah, world. Yeah. Like he
1: gets his sponsors and stuff and they give him money. And so like, he's able to move and have his apartment. And then like in the Oasis, he has his fortress with all of his gear and all of his stuff. And you know. Yeah.
0: And he's got like all these different ships and yeah. stuff that he's always wanted. And he has the, like, um, did he have the Millennium Falcon or the...
1: Hit
0: the DeLorean. The DeLorean, yeah. yeah. Like he'd always dreamed about having that. He's yeah. finally able to get it, you know, just because like he could. So yeah. even though he like had all, all the success, all of his, you know, the stuff from when he was first getting started in his like childhood dreams, quote unquote, you know, he's able to kind of yeah. like make those a reality and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and I think we talked about this too. I think one of the biggest reasons where I think the movie felt a little bit short in my mind is just one really simple thing was the Oasis wasn't set in the, the right context. Correct. So I don't think Absolutely. that the the whole point of like, oh, this whole thing where everyone's trying to take over the Oasis and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that they really made that seem like that big of a deal. Like, obviously, it'd be almost like as if we were playing for an opportunity to, you know, be the CEO of like Microsoft or something, right? Like, even though, yeah, that'd be cool and like that would be kind of like a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, it's not like world-changing as much as in the Oasis explaining like, A, how big it is, how rich it is, and how much impact that it has on the world and on society and like all those different Mm -hmm. things. I think that was sort of lost in the movie, whereas in the book, I think they do a really good job of explaining like how expansive the Oasis is and like the fact that people go to school there. And it's literally like where everyone lives their life and how they can, it's an unlimited cash flow because they can just keep generating more land and more Mm -hmm. objects and more things, right? So there's literally like trillions and trillions of dollars to be made. I just think that that was sort of lost in translation, which therefore made the whole journey and the whole like the stakes of what they were fighting for in the movie you just you were kind of just like yeah like it didn't really
1: seem that significant I watched um it's either Captain Midnight on YouTube or um Karsten I, I forget what his name is anyway they're two video essay guys that I follow on YouTube and they both talked about um Ready Player One and one of them talked about he's like basically when you get to the end of the movie the moral of the story comes down to nothing more then the little message that pops up on your Wii that says M- you've been playing a while, you should maybe go outside for a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like honestly, yeah. like when you get to the end of the movie, it's like, you know, we shut down the Oasis for a couple of days a week because people need to get outside more. It's like, really? Right. So like the entire point <laughs> of this movie was to get people to go outside by obsessing over a video game. You know, it's just kind of like the the message completely contrasts.
0: Right, and it was like, but the problem is again, they also didn't really set up the the how bad the world was. So right. they kind of mentioned at the beginning like a dystopian yeah. future or whatever. Right, but I feel like that's just sort of just like a big kind of like throwaway yeah. line. They completely that they didn't could explain have shown why that. the stacks were there. They didn't explain like how bad the world really was, yeah. which I think was. You know, very crucial to the uh, the, the emphasis and the importance yeah. of the Oasis. Yeah, I
1: mean, you could have absolutely paralleled the fact, like you just said, like you can create land in the Oasis in this infinite universe, whereas they're sitting here trying to stack trailers on top of each other in this trailer park. You know, like there's there's right. so running out of land that they're having to stack houses on each other to make room for people to live.
0: And because they ran out of gas, they couldn't even get yeah. to the city. They just kind of, this is where we ended up. We just ran out of yeah. gas here. We had, we can't afford more gas. So we're just going to, yeah. this is where we're going to build. And he just kind of,
1: like you said, he just kind of mentions it. He's like, uh, you know, my, we were here through the corn syrup droughts and we were here through all this stuff. And so he kind of talks about how the world crumbled. But that was another note that I made. I said that there's not enough focus on the crumbling real world And people just seemed obsessed with the video games instead of being a necessity. You know, like the whole world is gone. Like it's just kind of like gone to pot. There's nothing left. And it's like... And it's
0: the only way to really thrive and have a society of any kind is in this video game. But that's yeah, that's what one of my criticisms too was in the movie. I feel like they just made it seem like everybody was obsessed with World of Warcraft, right? And all these people have just be kind of like lost their their minds and they're just playing mm-hmm. this video game that's more futuristic and more immersive. But everyone just kind of like today people play World of Warcraft an ungodly yeah. number of hours. <laughs> I felt like they were just like playing this like popular video game that a lot of people were doing and it was kind of immersive and whatever. Right. Right. It almost seemed like I don't know, not there's something wrong with them, but people who were doing it, you know, were just like a different part of society or whatever like i don't think it was made to show that and you you made some good points that they did show it where they had the guy trying to jump out the window right he got killed in the oasis and stuff like that but still that wasn't enough right i don't think that until you read the book you you can make that connection if you read the book but if you are just watching it i don't i don't know then it may just seem like you said they were just like obsessed with this video game to the point where they're willing to kill themselves over it yeah more so than like this is literally our
1: entire right exactly this is your life you know and so it's like it's it's almost like the matrix. So like they could have like dropped it down a couple notches from the matrix. Like they these people literally in the matrix have to live in this computer generated world, the matrix right. because the world literally is gone. Like it's right, just right, right, it's right. nothing but a robot wasteland. And so you could have knocked it down a couple notches and said okay, so we're, maybe we're not at robot wasteland yet where humans are batteries, but we're, we're getting close to this point where the world is like drying out. There's like droughts all over the place. You know, global warming has taken over and like, you know, you could have really explored or like the movie, The Surrogates with um, Bruce Willis, which didn't yeah. actually get very good ratings, but like people living in their robot selves. You know, people all live right. at home and they're all living life through these like robot surrogates. And so it's kind of like there's become... Like you said, like they could have really explored the social aspect of a societal norm of video games and like a societal, you know, like creation of this world where people now live life in a video game.
0: Right, and that's what, that was like my favorite part of the book. Like I think yeah. like the idea of that is so interesting. And like I said, that's why I love the fact that he went to school in the Oasis and like what that means and like the possibilities that that opened and the fact that like, when you're at school, like they limited certain things like, you know, like right. chat was disabled or like you weren't allowed to like punch people or whatever, you know, like there were certain limitations that mm-hmm. were set within this like zone, but then you could go to like the war zones and stuff like that, right? And right? That's why I felt like in the movie, it just felt like the whole thing was like this giant, just like shoot them up, kill them, war yep. zone thing. People just running around trying to kill each other other and like if you died you're like you know your life ended and you lost all your coins and all this stuff because you were an idiot and went to this like (laughs) battle or whatever right when it really wasn't like that like certain people yeah they had zones like that but most people were just going and living their life and going Mm -hmm. to school and working and people worked in the oasis like all those types of things and yeah it's hard because like i don't know you could do a whole movie on just that probably exactly (laughs) and that's that's kind of the problem with it is so much depth to it but i think that there are a few little like if they had just added a couple of lines, or even the point at the mm-hmm. beginning in the movie where um he's like changing his hair, right, and he's kind of like changing what he looks like, and then he's like, oh right. yeah, this is good. If they had showed the fact that like it cost money to do that, or right. like even something like a few little like tweaks here would have at least hinted at the fact that like oh wow, like everything costs money, or like yeah whatever, exactly. or like showing like a a real estate mogul guy like walking down the street and like creating new planets or something, you know, like yeah I don't know. There's like things that they could have mm-hmm. done that wouldn't have taken. 10 minutes to explain exactly was, you know in a line or two of like intentional dialogue or even just like stuff happening as he's walking or whatever yeah
1: like h and h could have like said i'm gonna go to this planet you want to come and like oh awkward moment parzival doesn't have enough money to go through the teleport you right, know exactly like, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like he's like oh it costs money to go everywhere and i'm sitting there reading the book and i'm like oh well they didn't make that very clear in the movie you know everybody could just pop up and go wherever the heck they wanted at any time like on a whim you know, right. like there's no like societal necessity for a job to make money in coins. It's almost like and even societally now, like in our world, like Bitcoin is a thing, you know, yeah, internet, yeah. internet money. Like you really could <laughs> yeah. have like touched on the fact that people are now living in a world where like Bitcoin is a thing, you know, like people are literally living. Right, but it's like bit everything. It's like yeah, bit cars exactly. and bit shoes and bit houses, <laughs> like
0: literally everything. Like you would buy, you would spend a, you know, a earth equivalent of mm-hmm. money on a house in the Oasis, mm-hmm. potentially, you know, like. That and you could how, make that house
1: anything you wanted.
0: Right, And that, but that <laughs> was why the taking over the Oasis and like the power and why the Sixers were so evil and like mm-hmm. what they wanted to do with it. And like, if you think about the amount of power somebody would have in that circumstance, like then it starts to all become like, oh wow, like this really is a big deal. Yeah. Like, then you're like really rooting for him a lot more in the book, whereas in the movie, you're just kind of like, he just wants to take over this like random video game company. Yeah, and be rich, you know. And <laughs> yeah, like,
1: exactly. That's almost like when it comes down, he's like, oh, he's really obsessive over this billionaire, and now he just wants his all his money and his stuff. Right. He just like wants to be
0: Steve Jobs, or he just wants yeah. to be, you know, that's kind of what it felt like. But it's hard because it's yeah, there are. I think there are definitely parallels you can draw between like Steve Jobs and, mm-hmm. um, Holiday, and like those, you know, or any of the big like tech moguls and yeah. stuff like that. Right? There's a little. There are little kind of quirky and kind of weird in their own ways and and yeah. stuff like that and like you know like Steve Job and Woz you know that yeah. kind of dynamic how that's similar yeah which was but, even
1: referenced in the book too you know like they right, said right. you know people compared them to Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs.
0: all that I just was think was kind of lost again and I, yeah. I didn't expect it to be directly like one-to-one like I know they had to change stuff I don't even mm-hmm. really care that they changed like out of the car race as much or you know whatever right but Again, a lot of those things they just felt like they didn't take any skill they just were able to make it happen and like it was this sort of like accidental thing. Um, one of the things that you mentioned the last time we talked was that you thought it was, it's funny, cause I wanted to like, I was kind of trying to set you up and like ask you some questions that you'd then, you know, go find the answer right. out to, but you were talking about how you thought it was ironic that they all lived within like two square miles of each right. other in the, in the movie and they just kind of like popped out of the Oasis and like walked downstairs and like, oh, hey, and they were We're all, all friends, like we all live and in- And she's and, driving yeah. her, tr- her like, you know, RV around, like it's <laughs> no big deal, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously like in the, in the book, you see, like there's a lot more, yes happening behind the scenes. And its', it's those kinds of things that i I actually get from a movie standpoint, mm-hmm. like it would be really hard to explain the backstory of like, how they all kind of ended up in the same place. And but how, I don't like, think so,
1: though. Like, let's talk about this, too. Like, this is a okay, huge point. Yeah, yeah. The complete waste of a character that Ogden Morrow was in the movie.
0: Yeah. Like, no, he yeah. played
1: such an integral part in the books. Like, in you, making
0: the whole, saving the whole Oasis. Over. Exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, like, you find right.
1: out, he's like, oh, he's actually been here the whole time. You know, he's like the Holy Spirit of the Oasis, you know? Like, he's <laughs> yeah. all over the place. And he's, like, watching people. And, like, he's making sure that certain people are following the rules certain people aren't you know he's like oh i'm gonna eavesdrop on the high five here also i think it's really cool that the oasis gave them the name the high five instead of (laughs) like him him doing that i thought that was pretty neat but like ogden morrow like that was a really really cool thing that he like it's like okay it's game time now like, it's coming down to the wire and he's like, it's gotten so serious that now I need to step in. I'm gonna fly you all out to my mansion and we're mm-hmm. all gonna like fight the Sixers and We're all gonna strap my... in the oasis
0: here and yeah. we're all gonna go and do the fight here so you can be safe and you can have a fair shake at it. Because exactly. essentially the Sixers are playing dirty, like they were cheating, cheating mm-hmm. the game, right? By like attacking them in real life, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna even the score. And he like, I don't think he was even trying to like tip the scales necessarily in one way or the other. I think he was just trying to make it fair like make it even in the way that holiday would have wanted because i don't think he would have wanted him to help them to win to like give them the keys just Mm because he liked them better or whatever right but by even just like balancing it out and like allowing them because they still had to go in and obviously do right do the work he was just kind of trying to yeah. balance the Well, because he knew un- injustice.
1: He knew that not only in the oasis were they in danger, but he knew in real life that they were in danger. Like that but right, the, we that even the more Sixers. So, yeah. yeah, so like let's explore also that's like a darker portion of the book that wasn't explored in the movie. Like Daito was literally grabbed by the Sixers in his apartment and thrown off his balcony to his death. <laughs> and it's like, "Oh my yeah. gosh." <laughs> right, and right, right. so like that's a pretty dark element of the book that like showed just how serious the Sixers were. And, like, it was like in the movie, it was kind of summed up to where they were Comcast and they just wanted (laughs) to, like, put ads on everything. They just wanted to put ads on everything. It's kind of like, oh, wow, big deal. These big bad guys want to put ads all over the place. It's like, wow, what a horrible thing. Like, no, in real life, they're killing people. And like right. kidnapping and people. What's the <laughs>
0: guy's name who runs the the main guy for the Sixers? Um, Sorrento. Sorrento. Yeah. So in the in the movie, he's kind of this like blubbering idiot kind of thing where yeah. he like has his password written down on his chair yeah. so you could like hack into his Wi Fi or whatever. And they, you know, and he was like kind of evil, but like kind of just like doesn't really seem like he knew what's yeah. going on or whatever. Exactly. But in the movie, he's like. Hitler or like whatever, you know, like he's like this like big bad guy, like running yeah. this like massive, like evil organization. That's like very openly evil. They're not trying to hide it. Like they are just out there with like one mission, one task. Yeah. And like, they don't care what gets in their way. And I think you're, right. I think that the severity and the sort of like danger level of that
1: yeah, was exactly.
0: sort of downplayed. And so like, movie. I
1: mean, even in the movie, like they show that he was like the coffee guy for holiday and morrow, you know? And right. it's like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they made, they basically said in, in, as few words is like his whole job and title is a farce because Mm. he, he got his job by saying that he had inside knowledge on Halliday when all he did was like, bring him his coffee. And uh, so it's yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so like that's in this movie. And so they really downplayed who he was. But like mm-hmm. you said in the book, like, like he is Hitler. Like he's running this yeah. like Nazi I mean, they regime. Like, slaves, right? they <laughs> yeah. like, like literally when he
0: gets cat, when Percival gets captured and he gets put into the like real life jail in yeah. the Sixers facility is essentially like being a indentured Certain, slave. Yeah. You know? like, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's just the, like, yeah, I keep using that word severity, but like the intensity with which, These people lived their lives in the oasis, and like how much real world consequences were a factor of living inside of the oasis, like was not as explored. And it would have been really cool to show. And and that's another thing is like Wade was just really good at trivia in the movie, but in the Mm -hmm. book, he's a very clever person. You know, like he zeroes out his bank account so that the Sixers will come and arrest him and then wires a bank, a wire transfer to like show up 10 days later to clear out all his debt so that they will release him. Like he had a plan, like he knew exactly what right. he was
0: doing. That's the thing too, because it was it was a combination of his like deep knowledge of trivia and mm-hmm. like deep like kind of obsession with like the 80s and pop culture and like these types of things, but also just being smarter than everybody else. Because yeah. um, like Artemis in the movie, or in the book rather, was kind of in the same level, right? She had she knew a lot of the same stuff he did did she was kind of one of the first people to find the you know she found the key first right right the, the original key and he just happened to beat the game before she did or right. whatever yeah like right. she but found she where
1: like, the key was but she wasn't able to right. obtain the key before he was but yeah exactly right
0: yeah yeah but like so it you know she was just as like knowledgeable to a mm-hmm. certain extent right but he just had like this extra kind of level of depth of knowledge and kind of clever wit to him mm-hmm. that kind of allowed him to do all these different things and yeah have this massive plan that kind of like went perfectly you exactly. know that and in the movie again i just keep thinking it's like it was almost like he just like lucked into all these things yeah it was like oh i'll try so, going in reverse and like oh yeah. look I, it's all i had to do you know it's so easy <laughs> you know like that kind of thing you
1: know? yeah like even even the challenges themselves like like we like you just said like oh to get the first key you literally just have to drive backwards and you don't even have to do anything you just press accelerate backwards and right. like there you go you win like the to get the key is easier than actually racing you know, right, like, right, it's right, just right. like, yeah. there's not like this whole like challenge. It's just kind of like, oh, well <laughs> let me just drive backwards. Oh, right. look and, how clever I am. And it's right. like. And but,
0: obviously <laughs> like the racing thing was cool. Like yeah. the visual standpoint, like I understand yeah. why they did that, but also like didn't make a whole lot of sense, like cohesively with the movie. Like every time someone crashed, did they reset? Did they go back yeah. down to zero? exactly. If, if they're trying this day after day after day after day, it yeah, made it seem like they were. Mm-hmm. Were they just, were they uh, exempt from dying? Like, was it like a special rule yeah. or Yeah, you don't know. don't know. It just like. Little things like that where you're so like,
1: come on. Guys. I had texted you about this, but I also wrote it down in my notes that it's like back to, you know, the, the beginning of the movie. He's like, uh, and then after the contest was announced, some gunter five years ago discovered the first challenge and now this portal opened, and now we all race cars. It's like, oh, right. OK. And in the movie, in the book, it's like, No the first like the with the first video there was a clue and you could not find the first challenge until you figured out this clue and then it shows it Took him
0: five years to figure yeah, out the one clue right exactly That's like huge yeah
1: and like Wade has been obsessing over this his whole life he's obsessed with the fact that he can't go anywhere he can't do anything he's stuck at level three with these default character settings and he feels and like, like because of that
0: he'll never be able exactly. to exactly do anything and you're just with like the challenger. yeah you have
1: this like poor guy mentality you're like man underdog like poor guy you know but and the movie he's just this average joe just like everybody else yeah he needs a little bit of coins to race because he's got to go to the back to collect coins from the dead people but like in the book you're just like oh this really underdog character he can't go anywhere how will he ever win this contest you know right. but and they do
0: i mean how many chapters was it of background 10 like freaking chapters it up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right which is a lot and again it's not like <laughs> it's hard because obviously you can't do 10 chapters worth of intro in a movie that yeah. like, people will zone out or they won't care. But I do think that literally makes the rest of the book. It puts everything in the context. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they kind of just flippantly played it off in like one opening little sequence and kind of like a montage kind of deal. And then that's it. Like that's yeah. kind of hard to summarize. It's a lot of like importance out of these yeah. 10 chapters to condense down into right. six minutes of the movie, you know, yeah. maybe even also
1: that. like how many people enjoy racing games you know like i I played my fair share of need for speed when i was a kid but like at the same time like in the book so his first challenge is like a dungeon game like he has Mm -hmm. to go through this dungeon and find all these characters i've played many too many hours of skyrim right like where you're going into these dungeons you have this armor you have to like find the giant skeleton boss and you have to fight it like people relate to that far more then it's just right. like car chase. It's like, oh, let's just be fast and furious, and let's throw all these cars in here, you know, in right. the movie. And, and like, like he, who can have
0: the best car, or whatever, you know, yeah. and weapons kind of thing. At, exactly. Or, yeah.
1: It's just kind of like all up to like luck. Like, okay, well, let's see who can finish this race. And first. they made it
0: seem like in the movie that that nobody could even win that race if they wanted to. The way yeah. that they had the like the King Kong or whatever, like everything all set up. Like there was no nothing you could have done
1: after five years. People would have given up on that race. I'm sorry. There's no way that people are still racing that game after five years and literally nobody has won. And everyone's just getting killed (laughs) by this
0: giant gorilla at the end or whatever. exactly.
1: So, like, I get that. So, in the book, he goes to this dungeon. He finds this giant king skeleton guy. And then it ends up that he has to fight this giant skeleton king guy in a video game. So, in the movie, that would have been boring to watch. I get that. So, there are things that translate better on screen than do in the book. So, I get that there was a change there. However, it would have been very easy for them to have just simply placed him and the Skeleton King physically into the game of Joust. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, instead of watching them play on an arcade, you just put them on the backs of these ostriches and these horses or whatever and Mm -hmm. just have them physically play the game out. Like, just like they do literally everything else in the movie. Right. You know? Like, Like, so... I'd even texted you about that before we even like talked about doing the podcast that, you know, like there are certain um, movie adaptations like Batman Begins, um, where Christopher Nolan decides that it's more relatable to have this rich family go and watch an opera than to have them go and watch The Mask of Zorro. So like in the comic Mm -hmm. books, Bruce's parents, they're just like are haphazardly walking out of the movie theater. They're like, oh, hey, we're done with our movie. And then some guy randomly comes up and shoots his parents. And Bruce is like, oh, man, my parents are dead. So like, but in the movie batman begins they change it because christopher nolan is like quoted as saying he's like it's far more relatable it's it's far less relatable to watch people watching a movie in a movie Mm -hmm. he's like Mm -hmm. it's it's different when you're reading a comic book and you're like oh this person went to a movie so he changes it and the change is very good because he's like bruce is afraid of bats and in this opera there are these bat like characters and bruce is like i'm ready to go and so he makes his parents leave the opera they go out this back alley door and then his parents right. get shot being ambushed in this alleyway. So it adds this depth to Bruce, like, and like mm-hmm. in the next couple this of guilt scenes in this kind of, yeah. yeah, this mm-hmm. guilt, this heavy, heavy guilt. Like he tells Alfred, he's like, it's all my fault. Like if I hadn't gotten scared, then my parents wouldn't be dead. And so it's like, oh my gosh, like this real weight of this Bruce Wayne Batman character has now like been like laid on him that like he is setting out his life to overcome his fear. And like so that he can no longer harm people because of how afraid he is, you know. And so it's like, wow, like how awesome of a depth of character is that rather than this guy who's just like, oh, my parents died. Now I'm out to like seek revenge on all bad guys because bad guys are bad, (laughs) you know. So like I get I get that there are things that need to be changed. But if you're going to make a change, it should be for the better, not for like convenience sake
0: right and that's the thing as you look at the changes that they made and you don't it's hard to say okay well why did they change it to this other than this would look cool on the movie exactly. on movie screen or i don't even know what else maybe they thought that what was the movie from the the second key in the the shining in the movie yeah the shining maybe that more people would be able to relate to that like yeah would be like more of a reference people would understand or whatever which is funny because i've never seen the shining so like it all went over my head so i was like i don't <laughs> I don't even know what's happening here. Yeah, I've
1: I've seen, I've never watched the movie in its entirety, but I've seen enough clips and enough memes like to understand the references right. that were made. So I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I can follow this.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too I liked about the book was that even though the references I didn't understand, because I'm not really the biggest like 80s, like nerd, like tech nerd or, like video game nerd or whatever, but I was able to like still appreciate the depth mm-hmm. of them, and they explained it well enough in the book that even if I'd never heard of this particular game before, or whatever, like right. I got, I got it. Like I figured yeah. out, I could picture where it fit in kind of like the societal yeah. world, or like how it was kind of like this. Uh, they describe something as being like a really obscure game that only mm-hmm. nerds played, right? Like just even a line like that in the book, you're like, oh, okay, right. yeah. Like I get it. Like that's why I've never heard of it, but it's you know that's the kind of game that it is, and they describe them all well.
1: So I was fortunate enough to understand a lot of the reference because my dad was a huge video game nerd growing up. Right, yeah. And so, like, my dad grew up in the 80s, you know, so Mm -hmm. he, like, he grew up with these video games that he played like zork and stuff like that so like that was the second key so for people who don't know what zork is it's a text-based game so like back in the day when you were like on ms dos in your computer and you had to type in like open file and click enter and then like ms dos would come up with a text message and it says opening file this and it would show you your inventory in that file so like that's what this video game is like it says you're standing outside of a house and you're facing north and like that's all it is there's no graphics there's nothing it's just text on the screen and so you type in look at house and then text pops up on the screen and it describes the house to you and you're literally Mm -hmm. like playing this game with your imagination and it's like which is so cool it's so cool it's such a blast and there's actually um pardon me there's actually like a lot of emulators online that you can go and play if you ever want to and so Mm. like it was really cool to think to me i'm like how cool would that have been for all these people who grew up in the 80s playing zork like using their imagination to have physically seen it in a movie. Like right. that would have right. been so, so cool.
0: And I don't know how they could, like, <laughs> if there's like another sort of like thing where they could have made that sort of a parallel shift, maybe not with that of obscure of a game or that, like, cause that's a little bit tricky from a visual standpoint right. Right, to maybe explain, but may, I mean, it's not impossible. Like Steven Se- Sewer can do anything, yeah. but like, you know, maybe they could have picked something else that's sort of like that, you know, yeah. like even something like Pac-Man, right. Something that everyone kind of knows where you're yeah. like, you've played Pac-Man in this like 2d, very flat world for your whole life. And then to be like in it, in a 3d world and have the actually coming at you and having the go like something yeah. like that, which I, I think there's another video video game movie where that happens, but you know, something like that where it's like the same sort of parallel shift of like bringing this thing to life that you're familiar with in a very, very one-dimensional way and bring it into like the real 3D yeah. world. They can only have an the oasis. There's other things that they could have done other than like a movie, right? Because like a movie is a movie. Like you can kind of imagine yourself yeah. being in a movie because it's yeah. a movie, you know?
1: Which now that I think about it, I guess that was kind of a, a, a parallel or like an, uh, an homage to, in the, in the book, them doing these movie syncs. Right where right, he has right, to like right, do these yeah. lines of dialogue. So I actually just now like that just now clicked with me that they had to go inside of this movie and like play out this movie and find but in this. They
0: were just running around in the it's movie. True. You know, like it's true. It's true. There was no like. Yeah. Skill there wasn't. Yeah. This was kind of like running away <laughs> and hiding from people in the movie again. Yeah.
1: Like haphazardly, H happens to see this picture of Halliday and um, what's her name? Right. Like in like Karen. a
0: blink of a flash yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, mm-hmm. they're
1: like, we need to find this movie. We're like we need to find Halliday. And he's like, oh, I saw a picture of Kira. And they're like, oh, well, right. isn't that lucky that you saw yeah. that? Otherwise, <laughs> we would have been in here for another forty like five minutes. Yeah. You know, so right, right. yeah. It's I think that overall, I feel like the movie was very lazy writing, especially given the fantastic amount of source material. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like the epicness of the final battle. So in the book, you're sitting here thinking, like he's he spent days sending out these emails and these messages and these video messages like it's going down. Like we are going to battle the Sixers. We're gonna take over their castle. Will you join me? And like they mm-hmm. did that in the movie, but it was like so instantaneous, right? Like yeah, because- Yeah, like everybody
0: come and they all just like- Yeah, they all just charge, showed up yeah, because
1: yeah. like we were talking about earlier, they didn't show how like it actually takes time to get places. Like you can't <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like snap your fingers, click your heels, and you're there. Like it actually yeah. takes time. So he like gave these people a few days notice so that they could like all show travel up. Across exactly. The and worlds. he's like, yeah. I'm gonna show up to this place, and I have no idea who's gonna be there. And like mm. he shows up, and literally the entire Oasis is there. And yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is so awesome. And he shows up in his giant robot with all of his friends and their giant robots, and they're like face to face with Sorrento and his goons. With their mm-hmm. giant robots with a giant force field between them. And you're like, what's about to happen? And Wade is so convinced. He's like, this wall is coming down and we're gonna like tear you up. And you're like yeah. sitting here, you're like, What is gonna happen? What is gonna happen? And then he explains what he did, like this robot, which would have been super cool to right. watch. It's almost like
0: Oceans Eleven, right? You get to the end of Oceans Eleven and then they explain everything back yeah. and you're like, Yeah. Oh you're like, <laughs> it makes so much sense. Like that's exactly. so brilliant. Because you've seen all of it. Like the writing was all on the wall, but like You know, in a obscure kind of way that you would never kind of connect. it, And then as soon as they connect all the dots, you're like, (gasps) and that's exactly what happened at the end of the book. Yeah.
1: And so what I loved, what I loved in the book was when he said, he's like, when the force field went down, there was five seconds of silence. Mm. Like nobody knew what to do. And then it's like all hell breaks loose. And it's like visually like that just kind of gives me chill bumps thinking about like how cool would that have been? They're all standing there, all facing each other. Like in the movie, it took them a little bit to like collide with each other, which was cool to watch. But like in the book, like they're all standing face to face. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All talking bad to each other. All of a sudden the force field goes down and it's like, oh, (laughs) Right. now we are actually face to face and like how cool would that have been like this moment of silence where everybody's facing each other and it's like go almost like in (laughs) star wars yeah
0: like in star wars when the when she like hyperspaces through the yeah through the thing and the the whole thing just goes like
1: yeah there's just like complete (laughs) and then like you know then it all
0: just kind of goes yeah that would have been really that would have been a cool moment yeah and again i think that that and the end battle scene was cool. Like I didn't really have any qualms with that. Yeah, I don't had, have any either. Again, they the 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 Sixers and that weird like skeleton guy, yeah. Captain Davy Jones guy, seemed kind of like an <laughs> idiot sort of thing. Like he kinda like Yeah was just like kinda incompetent and like that's why they were able to get the stuff break the wall down or yeah. whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But again, for the movie you gotta figure out some way to Yeah. To make it well, happen. I mean if- like
1: an artist like, oh, she just so happened to figure out that, oh, you say these magic words and take down the orb. Whereas in the book, like, there has to be like a level ninety nine wizard like standing there with his hands on the orb at all times. And so it's kind of like, oh, we got to figure out how to defeat this wizard. And so it like would have been really cool to watch this robot go in and grab this bomb and like walk all the way up to the wizard and like detonate this bomb. Like that would have been funny mm-hmm. and like cool to watch. Like while Wade is like down there, like giving this like talk, like your wall is coming down. And certain like, there's no way this wall is coming down. And the whole right. time you're watching this robot like blow it up. And so like back to like Ogden Morrow and like his character, like, it might've been tedious to watch all these people come together. But I mean, like if you've seen like Avengers, um, civil war or I uh, mm-hmm. captain, captain America, civil war, like they showed, you know, Robert Downey jr, like Iron Man, like going to recruit Peter Parker. And like, they showed captain America going to recruit all these superheroes. And they all like eventually like joined together at this like one like place in this parking garage, you know, to like set up. And so I think that like, it wouldn't have been as tedious as like some people might think, like to get these people all to Ogden Morrow's like mansion, Like, he could have just said, I've got planes waiting for all of you. Get over here. And, like... Right. Or, you know, know, like, again,
0: same thing, like, a short little montage. I think of, like, Ocean's Eleven, right? Where he shows Mm -hmm. them kind of, like, recruiting everybody. And it just shows maybe, like... Ten or fifteen seconds of whatever he says to them, however he convinces them yeah. to kind of come, and all the different scenarios that he finds all of them in, yeah. but they all kind of get recruited to come to this house. It could have been pretty easy to add, you know, a scene like that where it shows, however they, wherever they are in the world, you know, yeah. in Tokyo or in because mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember where Artemis the girl was. In Artemis the RV. was in Canada. Yeah, so, and the girl in the RV was kind of nearby. That's why she, she could was thrive. in Philly
1: yeah she was in philly but she
0: still had a you know decent way to drive Mm -hmm. kind of deal
1: we're nitpicking at this point i think like you and i are sitting here like oh they could have totally done this which i think but like so it wasn't detrimental to the movie but yeah i think but they could
0: have done it but so i think the interesting so the reason that again the reason this whole thing started was because we saw the movie at the same time Mm -hmm. Ironic, we were just sitting in the theaters in different places watching it and then as soon as it ended i was like not devastated but i was just like Man, like I was just like kind of disappointed. Like I was just like had a, even yeah. the whole time I was watching the movie. I think from the very opening because it jumped right into that race, and I was yeah. like, Whoa, 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 whoa! I was like, what happened? What happened? What happened? There's like, what 20 happened to- chapters of information yeah. that is missing. What happened to the first 10 chapters of this movie? And then all the way through, I was very just like disarmed and like unable to kind of like correctly interpret what was happening because I was like, Wait a minute, this is wrong. This is mm-hmm. wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. So we finished it, and I was like, Gosh, like what did they do? Like they butchered the movie. And I messaged you, and I was like like hey i was like okay i need to i need to hear your opinion as someone who hasn't read the book what did you think of it? And you're like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I thought it was amazing. And yeah. I was
1: like, what?
0: I was like, no, I was like, you, have, you don't understand. So then we kind of got into this conversation and that's where I was like, okay, we need to do this like reverse social experiment where you need to go read the book now yeah. after the fact so we can talk about it. So after having done that, right? Like knowing your initial impression of really loving the movie, seeing it the second time, maybe not loving it quite as much, but still, you know, thoroughly enjoying it, mm-hmm. saying it, think it's a really great movie. Now having read the book, Where do you you kind of land? Do you have like a general synopsis of kind of your landing on the Ready Player One saga?
1: So I would say that originally I would have given um, Ready Player One a 7.5 to an 8 out of 10 because I was like, that was awesome. I really enjoyed watching that. It was a fun movie. You felt like you were like in, in the action the whole time. Like the car chase, like as much as I'm like ragging on it because it didn't follow the book, it was awesome. Like that was incredibly like awesome to watch, and mm-hmm. and so like it's it's really cool to see all of the references and like it was it was it was fun. It was almost like a game for me to sit there and like point out like oh 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 there they are there they are there are because you mm-hmm. knew based on what I like what I read before I watched the movie that there were going to be all kinds of references like hidden throughout the movie. So like I was looking for them, so I was excited because I was like oh this is so much fun. Like look what like they hid here, look what they hid here, and so by having read the book and like paralleling the movie. I think that it's advisable to every single person in the world all the time. You should always go watch your movie before First. you read the book because yes. the movie inevitably is going to let you down because they're never going to be able to fit all of the information that's in the book in into the, book. the movie. Right. And you're going to be disappointed. But I think like for examples, like we talked about, like The Martian, another great example is Holes. Have you ever seen the movie Holes? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. That. Have you read the book? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that I would think is, like, the number one most accurate book-to-movie adaptation.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, like it's if, very, you, yeah. if
1: you have ever read the book, the literally, literally, the only discrepancy between the book and the movie is that Stanley Yelnats was not fat at the beginning of the movie. Mm. And that was mm-hmm. because the director said, I'm not going to put a young child actor through the physical strain of having to gain 40 pounds just to lose 40 pounds over the state of the city. Right, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, literally, like... Um, Shia LaBeouf's character being skinny at the beginning of the movie and skinny at the mm-hmm. end was the only thing in that entire movie that was different from the book. Yeah, like you go and watch point. it, yeah. like watch the movie and read the book along with it. You're like, this is verbatim what happened. It's been a while
0: since I've seen or read or read the book. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's an incredible example that you can make movies and granted Holes was significantly shorter than Ready Player right, One by probably, probably right. like 30 chapters. Right, right, right. But at the same time, they didn't take away any of the mystery. They didn't take away any of like the... Ooh, intricate details that you didn't know. And it was such a fun movie to watch and it was such a fun book to read. And so like the Martian, like they had to take out certain things because the book was so long, but the movie, the portions that did follow after the book followed very well after the book. Right. And so you got out of that thinking, Oh, this is really the good. The
0: biggest thing I thought from the Martian that was missing from the movie was all of the like, co- like computations and sciency stuff, right. That like Andy Weir did such a good job of researching. Like, all those things but again there's no like there's really no way to put that into a movie right and like and then at the very very end they like switched like two little things to make it more dramatic for the movie but yeah very very similar across the board where this was just like we've already discussed a completely not, different yeah, just movie. not yeah
1: five percent book like 95 percent complete steven other spielberg, like whatever. story yeah. change yeah steven spielberg which yeah. i have a lot of respect for steven spielberg like he's made a lot of flops here recently i say for lack of a better term like bfg like big friendly giant was not a very good
0: like, i didn't realize that was a spielberg yeah yeah that was a
1: spielberg movie it didn't do very um, well at the box yeah, office it, no, it um didn't. i think it came out around the time like another interesting thing that i that i read um was the steve jobs movie that had come out with uh, mm-hmm. michael fassbender uh-huh. like those movies that came out that weekend all uh went sh- like reached short of their goal That that Mm. that people predicted. And it was because that same week, the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer came out and people suspected they were like people had such Star Wars fever that nobody was even focused on the fact that there were movies coming out that weekend. People were like, right. "Oh my gosh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens! It's the first Star Wars movie since you know since ever." So I right. think that like some of Steven Spielberg's, um, I think Big Friendly Giant actually had the same fate because it came out the same weekend. I think that the Last Jedi trailer came out, mm, and so I think people were like, "Oh well, I don't want to see that." But even even still, um, like I think that he's kind of gotten away from his lifelong legacy of making these like groundbreaking adventurous movies so right and i think which
0: i think is because people don't people have different tastes i feel like movies these yeah days, right we like like the old 80s movies for even though they're not watching back they're not perfect right? we kind of have more of like a nostalgia factor for them mm-hmm. and i guess it kind of dep- i mean some of them are just like really good movies i mean that's the thing too it's yeah. like hard to like replicate such greatness uh ready so rotten tomatoes has 73 percent for ready player one critics or um, audience. Critics 73%, and then 80% audience okay. score, which I think is pretty much in alignment with kind of what we've yeah. said. Um, it made 485 million worldwide, only 118 million in the US. Okay. Um, so seven, So 75% of the the gross from Radio Player One was international, which I think okay. is really interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much it costs to make. I'm trying to see if they have that on here. They but usually um, have
1: it on IMDb. Um, but yeah, I think too like a PSA to like a lot of people is that I would not discourage anyone from going to see the movie. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, great fun movie. Like I had a blast watching it, you know, like it's not going to be something that, that I would say, Oh, you know what? Having read the book, it's actually pretty garbage. So don't, don't even go see it. It's just
0: different. And that's the thing that's hard is because that's why for me it was so disarming. Like, and I think if I went and saw it again, knowing what I know now that, it would be fine. Like I would have, it would be more enjoyable and it would be great. And I didn't have any like yeah. major qualms. Some of the love stuff at the end was kind of cheesy. Oh
1: gosh. Yeah. You know, and like <laughs> the way in the book,
0: it was much more genuine and much more, I yeah. think like, cause it, also in the book it was, I think in the movie, I, I don't think they ever really mentioned the fact that he's like in high school. Yeah. Right. They don't really ever say mm-hmm. one or the other, but you don't really get the like high school kind of like puppy love vibe. Yeah. Like you do in the book. Yeah. So some of the stuff at the end where they were trying to force this romance kind mm-hmm. of thing felt a little like. Eh, well, also okay.
1: the fact that this movie or the book took place literally over like three years, like the storyline. Right, yeah. Like if you read back through it, like this movie, this book, and this story takes place over three years, and the movie takes place over like what two days.
0: Not even, yeah. yeah. it feels like yeah, it's super fast. Yeah, he's <laughs> like,
1: I've fallen in love with this girl in one day, and like in the book, they do such a good job of setting up these like months and months that they spent together, like, or like in, writing
0: like, back and forth, and yeah, writing like back yeah. and forth, playing
1: mm-hmm. games together, like going out on like like oasis dates and things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Another another PSA that I would give, not just for Ready Player One, but for movies in general. I'm really disappointed in like audiences because mm. I the trailer for Jurassic World two. Fallen Kingdom yep. came out this week. And mm-hmm. if you watch the trailer, the movie is Jurassic part two all over again. It's literally the same thing. They're going to an mm-hmm. Island. They're hunting dinosaurs. they bring dinosaurs back to the mainland and dinosaurs tear things up. It's the same movie. It's the same right. thing. <laughs> and I made a comment about that on the trailer and it got like a ton of likes and stuff like that. But people were commenting and they're like, dude, it's just a movie about dinosaurs. Like, why are you even like, if you don't want to go see it, then don't go see it. I'm like, this is the problem. <laughs> with This is a problem with moviegoers nowadays. I don't think every movie has to be an Oscar nominee. I don't think that. I'm not one of those, those people who thinks that every movie has to be dramatic and like Oscar worthy. But I think that you need to not be lazy. I think right. that a lot of what's happening nowadays is people are just going to the movies because they want to see dinosaurs. Whereas when Jurassic Park first came out, that was a revolutionary movie. CGI Mm -hmm. had never been used in that extensive amounts since like before that movie came out. And like the the parallel with the um, practical effects along with the CGI is why that movie stands so well today. It's because Mm -hmm. they did such a good job of like, you know, showing like real world practical effects and did such poured so much into the like set design and the dinosaur designs and stuff like that. It was super cool. And nowadays it's just cash grabs. Like it's just like we're going to reboot the entire Jurassic Park series because, hey, it made a lot of money back in the day. So we're going to make a lot more money now. And it's like I uh, monster movies are my guilty pleasure. I'll give you that. I went and saw Pacific (laughs) Rim because who doesn't want to see giant robots fighting giant monsters like that's the coolest thing in the world. But at the same time, like if you're going to like if you're going to reboot something, at least try to be original. You know, and like, and I'm really tired of reboots and I, like, I'm ranting now, but like, I'm really tired of <laughs> rehashing the old. I'm really tired of rebooting the, the old and like trying to bring back like Oceans 8. Why is that necessary? Why is it necessary <laughs> to make a whole new Oceans movie with all women? Why don't we make another type of movie with, you know, a different caper? With the same s- cast. Like same yeah. cast or like not even a sequel. Let's make a completely different caper movie. Like mm-hmm. that's fine. Like it's just. I'm just I'm, I just think that Hollywood has gotten away from originality. Um, you have movies like Interstellar that came out recently, you know, like in the past few years. Like Christopher Nolan, like makes really good original screenplays. Baby Driver was a fantastic original screenplay. Like,
0: how did Baby Driver do well in the theaters, though?
1: Um, yeah, actually, like, I love Baby Driver. I thought it was good. Yeah, it actually, I don't actually how well it it actually did, it really, did really really well. It's very interesting because Edgar, not Edgar, yeah, was it Edgar Wright? Yeah, it was Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yep. um, he predicted that it would win or be nominated for a sound editing category yeah. uh, like in his original script, like on the front of it, on the cover page of his script. He says, also to note, this movie will or should be nominated for a sound editing category because it's incredible. <laughs> so like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. it turns out that it did because like when you really watch back through the depths of that, like I guess this is what I'm saying is like, there's, we're missing the heart of, that Hollywood had in the very beginning, like people going to Hollywood, like I'm going to make my dream and I'm going to make movies and like it's we're going to tell stories. And like, I feel like that's it's it's a business now. And like, if you're not right. making money, then your movie is not going to be made. And that's why it's that
0: fine line. It's a fine line. And I think the problem is that in order for them to get the money that they need to make those movies, they're not getting them from the businesses and things who are backing all these movies because, yeah, they see something like the Avengers series or Star Wars or whatever Mm -hmm. where it's just like money, 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 money. Yeah. Or, yeah, rebooting whatever. Or even something like Jumanji, right, with The Rock and Kevin Hart, which made like a billion dollars or something crazy (sighs) like that, right? That's like a kind of a... Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. I think that there's kind of a couple, there's like two different categories. There's ones that are like so obscure and so like Oscar-y and so Mm -hmm. dramatic and so like hard to connect with. And they're almost like hard to watch without like, like somebody like you and I can watch them maybe and appreciate them, but like the average person is just like, this is boring, this is slow, I don't understand, weird. For example,
1: Lady Bird. Lady Bird was atrocious. I watched that movie and I was like, this is like the quintessential indie film that everyone's like, oh, this is why indie films suck. Like, this is just garbage. And like, honestly- But it won,
0: did it win a bunch I it got nominated
1: for yeah, a bunch of I stuff. Yeah, it got nominated for a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, ah,
0: why? That's a whole nother topic <laughs> yeah, with the whole, exactly. with the women director and like how Hollywood is so male centric. Yeah. right. And like, I never saw Lady Bird, but I heard, I've only heard about it. Yeah, But I mean, like The Shape of Water is mm-hmm. a good example recently, right? That was like an original story, mm-hmm. an original yeah. idea. To a certain extent, I mean, it's a monster romance movie, right? right? It's like, there's, it's hard because there's certain, like, theatrical elements, right? There's certain, like, story arcs that are kind mm-hmm. of just universal, right? Like, right. you know, the hero's journey. Yeah. Where, so, it's kind of hard to get, reinvent the mm-hmm. wheel when it's it comes true. to storytelling. It's very but true. But, I think you're right, like, something like Shape of Water. But, if it wasn't for um, Del Toro being the one who was behind that mm-hmm. and right and took him, you know, he. I guess it took him three years to get this thing, like, funded and made and mm-hmm. do all this stuff, right? Like, somebody like him who has, like, the pedigree and the, mm-hmm. you know, the the reputation right. of people will put money behind these kind of crazier ideas. But then you already you look at something like lead you're right. That's just like, Oh, this is a cool original idea, but like it didn't connect. It didn't really. Yeah. It's yeah, it's tough. It's tough, man. It's kind of like the best of times and it's the worst of times, you know, from like a movie standpoint, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much coming out and having movie pass, you know, we yeah. have that movie pass and being Love able to see pass. a lot more movies Um, that are coming out i do kind of have this appreciation but yeah and then you you can tell too the movies that are made on just like super tight budgets and Mm -hmm. their goal is just to like make a profit right Right. like minimal amount of sets very simple like the whole i'm trying to think the one i saw was uh liam neeson it was uh the uh, commuter the commuter or whatever yeah and you're just watching that and you're like there's like four sets for this whole thing (laughs) you know they maybe had like one big you know, where the train crashed or whatever, but something like that where yeah. you're just like, okay, we put Liam Neeson behind it, make a couple <laughs> cool trailers and we're going to hope to make a couple. Yeah. Bucks Cause it's this. like, so, you know,
1: l- in a world where Liam Neeson is on another mode of transportation and he's blowing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like because they had Unstoppable, where he was like on a plane, and then and then now he's like, oh, right. now he's on a train. It's like Liam Neeson, plane, trains, and automobiles. Like, right, they figured out that they can make money doing that. And
0: have like three train sets, you know, and or maybe it was more complicated than that to film. I don't really know, but yeah. you know, it's it's that kind of a thing. And there's. It, yeah it's funny going to see movies like that and then you know something i just saw recently isle of dogs yeah which i don't know i should even look and see how well that's doing in the box office i don't know um but like this original
1: story about this island of dogs on this garbage island and like japanese culture and all that stuff like who comes up with that that's awesome like it's right and apparently
0: he's been writing this thing for like years yeah five or six years he had the idea for this thing and it's been in production for four years because the whole thing is stop motion right and it's like this like super crazy intricate thing to make but again if it wasn't if it wasn't Wes Anderson who's behind it who knows if this would ever like yeah pick up any traction or whatever it's true so it's really high ratings on Rotten Tomatoes but I wonder I want to see how much it made in the box office because I mean when I saw it it was not an empty theater which is you know that's saying something. That is saying something, especially uh, you know, for such made, an
1: obscure film like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, twenty-one million dollars uh, domestic. Okay, which is interesting. I thought that there'd be a lot more foreign. So yeah, worldwide thirty-one million. But yeah, so, I mean, which that's is like nothing compared to Player One.
1: You know, I think it's interesting to me that so many people are trying to shut down Movie Pass. Like AMC had such a problem with Movie Pass, and like a bunch of these other theaters are like, "Well, why are these people doing Movie Pass?" It's like actually, you're making money. Like you're still getting paid and you're actually going to get more people coming to your theaters than not.
0: To buy popcorn and stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. Like if I've spent no money on tickets, I'm far more likely to spend money on concessions. Like you literally, like this is a golden opportunity for movie theaters everywhere to like get their audiences. Right, and it's hard because
0: they're like, oh, well, we're only getting a percentage of the ticket sales or whatever. It's like, would you rather have a percentage of something or a percentage of nothing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Those
1: are your two (laughs)
0: options, right? Like I'm either going to go see one movie every three months when it comes out like I have been for the last 10 years of my life, yeah. right? Like if a big movie comes out or something, I really want to see. And you probably see more movies than I do. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll probably see eight movies a year at the most. You know, if it's a really rainy day yeah. and I got something, you know,
1: maybe I'll go see a movie. I think i see more movies in the past two months than I've seen in like the last three years. Like just oh, because... Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I mean like who wants to like the hassle of like going and paying all this money to go see a movie and all this stuff it's like now i've got this card that movie passes like do you want to go see a movie you can go see it for free i'm like oh, awesome thanks movie pass it feels free you know? yeah. yeah. it's either like
0: you're going to be there's going to be 3 people in this theater watching this movie or there's going to be 2 people in this theater watching this movie yeah. because i mean I, you're not making, you're not, you're already paying for the lights to be on. You're already paying yeah. for the projector to be on. You're not, it's going to play no matter what, yeah. whether I'm sitting here or not. It's not like I'm taking away from somebody else. You know, that's one thing. You know, it'll be interesting because I haven't had a movie pass for like a big premiere yet mm-hmm. for something like Star Wars or Avengers yeah. or something where like a lot of people want to go see it. But I mean, I went and saw Black Panther like the day after it came out, I think, and it mm-hmm. was fine. you know, like, yeah. It's, you know, at least where I live, there's so many theaters mm-hmm. to go to. The odds of one of them like actually like selling out, selling right. out. And I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. You know, maybe like back in, back in the day, back in our day, <laughs> where you'd like actually go to see a movie and it'd be like legitimately sold out right. for the premiere. Now, as Star Wars comes out, they literally just turned every theater, every in theater the world, <laughs> in the place into a Star Wars. And, you know, they just keep opening them up until everybody can yep. get in. So,
1: yeah. And that's the thing too, is, um, movie pass is really cool because like, um, they used to have a lot of restrictions, but they don't anymore. Like it used to be every 24 hours, but now it's a calendar day. So Um, you can go see a movie at 11 o'clock and then see one at like 5 p.m. the next day.
0: I didn't think about that. That's a good point. And then like,
1: and you can also purchase tickets for the same day, but at a different time. Like, so I could go at noon when the theater opens and buy a ticket for a showing at nine o'clock that night with my movie pass.
0: As long as you're there. As long yeah, as you're there. A,
1: and so, like, so point, yeah. that, like, I'm not having to go 10 minutes before the movie starts and like, with the risk of it being sold out. So there's like a, right. while it's not as convenient as being able to buy tickets four months ahead of time and like having mm-hmm. your seat, it's still like, there are still like a couple of hacks that you can do. Also get a daggum rewards card. You are yes. like you yeah, see yeah, 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 yeah. movies for free. They will swipe your rewards card and put points on it, and you can get free concessions. I like am
0: diamond <laughs> status right now. Nice regal. I have regal diamond <laughs> status, and we had at one point like forty-two thousand points or whatever. Oh my you know, gosh, that's awesome! Pop, popcorn is like seven thousand points or whatever. You know. There so you it's go. Like, so we can get free movies. We can get free movies. We can get all sorts of stuff. So yeah. So if in like whenever the next Star Wars movie comes out, you know, it's actually next month on my birthday. Um. I would just buy the tickets now with my like Regal points, yeah. you know, and then buy it, you know, and then just have it, you know, yeah. and then it was a still free essentially anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, we could talk for. I, we really, I honestly,
1: like I could sit and literally talk to you all day about movies in general. But right. yeah, I which know... which we actually,
0: we, we might, we probably will end up doing. So this could end up being like a more of a regular segment on that would on be the awesome. I would love, that. I love talking about this sort of stuff. I don't really have anybody to talk to about with it as much. And there's so many, especially with movie Like there's so many movies that we could talk about. Yeah, like I want to talk to you about Isle of Dogs after you see Isle of Dogs. Yeah, let's like, go do I that. I just think there's so much to talk about with that movie. So cool. Well, all right, we'll we'll have to end this here. Do yeah. you have any sort of like last final thoughts on Ready Player One? Anything else? I would
1: recommend reading the book. There is some language in the book, so it's not a kid's book. I will say that. I would say if they followed true. the book to a T, that movie would have been rated R. I will say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, um, that's true. That's but true. so that's just, I guess, like a, a public service announcement warning. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're reading the book, don't read it to your kids. Don't I let your like, 12-year-old support go, the go the movies read it. Yeah. That you know are going to be good support the movies that um, that you like love. And if you love Jurassic Park, then great. But don't just go see a movie just because of the excuse. It's just a movie. Movies are like a really important part of life. Like movies have literally changed my life. Like there are movies like that I, that I think have taught me life lessons and have like changed my perspective on the world. So like, I, I think that Um, if you're going to go see it, like really enjoy it, really try to pull like the morals and like the themes out of it and everything. Um, and uh, I would really highly recommend going to see the movie. The movie's great. I would really highly recommend reading the book. Do not go, do not read the book and then go see the movie. Do it in the opposite order.
0: right yeah if you can do the opposite order that would be much much better it's been awesome cool all right hey man this has been great i'm glad we got to do this like social this social experiment um this is so interesting and uh, pretty much like your experience is kind of exactly what i was hoping that was going to happen kind of what i kind of predicted what i predicted happened but i also just knew that you would really love the book like after i saw the movie (laughs) i was like i can't let him not read the book because of i know if he loved the movie that much just for like what it is (laughs) the five percent he's gonna really love the 95 percent from the book so yeah it'd be awesome man we'll have we'll definitely have to do this again Alright, there you have it. Big, big, big thanks to Brandon for being on and nerding out talking about movies and stuff. If you guys liked this episode, I would love, love, love to hear some feedback. I know this is a little bit different, but you guys know I have Movie Pass. I love Movie Pass, so I see a lot of movies. And one thing I wish I could do more is talk to people about those movies I've seen. So this could become a more regular thing on the podcast. I think this would be cool to have a couple of different people involved. I'll go see a movie and then talk about it on a regular basis, something like that. So if you guys are interested in this if you like hearing the discussions about movies let me know uh, hit me up on Instagram you can find me at Tyler Harrington I would love to hear from you I would just love to hear if you like this if you really didn't like it and you want me to go back to something else like let me know what to think about this different kind of genre of podcast but this is something that I really am interested in so we'll see what happens but again thank you guys so much for listening we really 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 appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to what we have to say here I hope that you find it entertaining and we always hope that you get something out of it so Thank you all for being here and we'll see you next time.